Welcome to the Podiatry Business Podcast, brought to you by your host, Lorcan O'Donnella, podiatrist and health business mentor. The podcast that is designed to help current and aspiring podiatry clinic owners to make the most of their clinic, turning it into a true business that can work without them, allowing them the freedom to earn more, work less, and live a better life. Welcome to episode two of the Podiatry Business Podcast with myself, Lorcan O'Donnella, podiatrist and health business mentor. I just want to start off by saying thank you for the great feedback I got from last week's podcast, which I really enjoyed doing. My hope is to release an episode of a podcast every single week, which will help podiatry clinic owners just like you make the most of your clinic. If there's any topics in particular you want me to cover, just drop me an email or connect with me on LinkedIn and I'll do my best to cover it for you. Turning to today's topic, the episode is titled Six Principles to Follow to Get a Patient to Say Yes. The reason I've decided to cover this is I often found when I was treating patients that one of my greatest frustrations was getting a patient to say yes to the treatment I'd recommended or to continue with the treatment I'd recommended. Sometimes I would find that I'd be halfway or 70% through the treatment plan and the patient was out of pain, but I knew they weren't 100% and they would drop off or they wouldn't start a treatment to begin with for some reason. I used to find this incredibly frustrating because I knew that if they had just stuck with the plan or started to begin with, I could get them to their goal. Why do patients do this? Well, they do it for a number of reasons. They do it because they're skeptical of the treatment that we're providing. Perhaps they've had a bad experience previously. While commonly they'll use the excuse of money, money really isn't the problem. It's a lack of guarantee of success, which is inherent in medicine. Now, I'm not suggesting that we give a guarantee of success. That would, in my opinion, be unethical. However, we can give a guarantee of satisfaction or that we're going to do our best to help that patient. But as clinicians, we tend to be pretty poor at putting across to the patient the emotional and psychological reasons that they should proceed with the treatment. And the patient ultimately simply does not trust you. They're not going to tell you straight out that they don't trust you, but it's the truth. Best not to take this personally. It's not a reflection on your character. It's simply the human nature that what we're proposing, we cannot give a guarantee. And in in many cases, it costs a lot of money, especially in private practice. And the patient has a, a lack of understanding or belief in the, the transformation that you can um, provide to them. So, This is why I focus on this so much in my own clinic. Even this past week, closing the clinic for an hour and a half to train my staff on this again, having done so previously on a number of occasions. So the six principles or tools that you should know are, number one, reciprocation. Number two, scarcity. Number three, liking. Number four, authority. Number five, commitment. And number six, social proof. These all come from the book by Robert Caldini, Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion, which I highly recommend you read. Now, if you're not very good at reading, there is a YouTube video on this, which is about 15 minutes, and obviously it does not go into the same depth as the book, but it does provide you with the starting tools 
to start to get better at converting your patients into a plan of care and getting them to commit to stick with the plan of care all the way through so that they really reach the ultimate goal that they can. Okay, so principle number one, reciprocation. Reciprocation is when we do something for somebody, they feel somewhat obliged to do something back. An example would be if we went out and we met somebody for coffee or for uh, dinner um, and they paid for it, we would feel obliged to do the same for them the next day. This is just a part of human nature. This principle can be applied in your clinic to make sure that your patients are more likely to commit or follow their plan of care. An example might be if you have a patient that comes in and you want them to do five exercises. Well, if you tell them initially, look, Mary, I'd like you to do 10 exercises, but I understand that you have, you're quite busy, you know, you've got a full-time job and so forth. So if you could do five for me, I'd be delighted. Now, Mary's more likely to do the five exercises because she feels that you've done her a favor by reducing the, the 10 exercises to five on her behalf. A second example that we use in our clinic is when a patient arrives into the clinic, into the waiting room, and sits down, we offer them tea or coffee. Research shows that if they accept the tea or coffee, they're more likely to accept the treatment plan that's recommended to them by the, the staff member or the podiatrist when they're seeing in the clinic. Even if they don't accept the tea or coffee, the fact that they've been offered it means that they feel obliged to give us something back. And the thing we want them want back from them is them to be compliant with their treatment plan. Principle number two is scarcity. So scarcity is a lack of something. An example might be a uh, local ho uh, hotel that it has an offer for um, a family weekend, two nights, um, dinner and so forth, but they only have five available going to the first five people. This is scarcity in the real world. In the clinic, this can be used such as having a li limited availability in your diary. So a patient might come and you say, I want to see you uh, next week um, and the week after, and I'd like you to book those appointments now. Now, if you ask nicely, the patient might go, well, I'll give you a call, I'll see how I am. That's not going to get them any better. So using scarcity, you might say something like, I'd like you to book in in seven days and again in 14 days. Now, I'd advise you to book them now as my diary gets quite full. Obviously, if we don't need them or if you can't make them, we can move the appointment. But if you book them now, we have the times for you because they won't be there the day before um, as the diary gets so full. Another example might be a limited offer that you um, provide to your patients. So we would send a broadcast email out every week. And down the bottom, we can give a limited offer, such as a knee pain assessment this week for only available. Just make sure when you're using scarcity that it's a genuine scarcity that you're using. Principle number three is liking, or in plain language. People will buy something from people they know, they like, and they trust. An example is my own receptionist, who in the past week needed to buy a new car. Rather than going on the internet and looking around, she rang her uncle, because she knows him, she likes him, and she trusts him. 
she bought a car off him over the phone. And indeed, she trusted him so much, when she hung up the phone, she wasn't too sure what car she'd bought. That's a true story. Getting your patients to like you and your staff is vital to getting them to be compliant, to follow their treatment plan, and to reach 100% of the goals that they want. We have a patient that comes in regularly. Let's call her Betty, for example. You can be sure that we know Betty's name, of her dog, her sister, her daughter in America, and so forth. And we always ask her how she's getting on. When a new patient comes in, I would encourage the staff to find a connection with that patient as soon as possible, such as where they're from or a sport that they both like to attend. Make some sort of personal connection that means that they get to like you on a personal level. This will mean that they're far more likely to follow their treatment plan and get better, which is what we're there for at the end of the day. Principle number four is authority. So people are more likely to follow advice if it's given by somebody that they believe is an authority. This is pretty straightforward. We all know this. This can be utilized in your clinic in a number of ways. You can be dressed as an authority. So if you turn up in a shirt and tie and appear to look like a professional, they are far more likely to be listened to and your advice taken than you are if you turn up in a pair of shorts and sandals. The tone of the voice you use and the words that you use are also important for delivering authority. An example would be, I would teach my staff to say when they're recommending appointments, rather than saying, I need to see you in seven days, say, you need to see me in seven days. Working on your tone of voice and the words you use will make a significant difference to your case acceptance. I had a podiatrist worked for me who was excellent clinically and he would carry out a full hour-long assessment and be very, very thorough. However, at the very end, very final hurdle, he couldn't get that patient to convert. So I sat in on one of his appointments to find out what was going on. And what had happened is at the end of every appointment, he would always ask permission of the patient to go ahead. He would say, would you like to go ahead with the treatment or what do you think? So I taught him that he's best not to say this. He's better off to say to the patient, you need X appointments over X time. How does that sound? Now, the reason we finish it like this is simply when you ask the question and you, have, you give the option of a yes or no, is a 50-50 whether the patient will say no. If you ask, how does that sound? The only reasonable, rational thing to say is it sounds okay. Because to say it doesn't sound okay would be somewhat rude. Therefore, his patients, when he changed to this simple formula, their case acceptance shot up. Principle number five is commitment. The more you can get somebody to commit to a treatment plan, the more likely they are to be compliant with that treatment plan, follow it all the way to its end, and reach their goals 100%. In the real world, an example would be when a bank gets you to sign a contract. So when you give a verbal uh, commitment, you are less likely to follow through than you are if you give a written commitment. 
we have applied this, this principle in our clinic by getting our patients to sign the action plan or report that we give them. We also redesigned our business cards so that the patient can fill it in herself. Research has shown that when the patient fills in the business card themselves with their next appointment, they are significantly less likely to cancel that appointment. Principle number six is social proof. Social proof is is where we see others just like us doing the thing that we're thinking of doing. We're far more likely to participate and feel comfortable of doing so. An example might be social media. The latest social media might come along, such as TikTok or so forth, and it appears that everybody like us is using it. So we download the app and we too start to use it. When these things go out of fashion, we think everyone else has stopped using it, we stop using it. This can be applied in your clinic to encourage your patients to follow their treatment plan fully. An example is Google reviews. If you can encourage your patients to give you positive reviews on Google, this will improve the chances of patients or potential patients choosing your clinic over others. Day after day, we hear patients coming in to us and when we ask them why they came to us, they say, we found you on Google and we noticed you had so many reviews that sounded like my case. That's why I picked you over everyone else. A second example of social proof is using stories in, in similar, of similar patients in your care. So when you're explaining to patients what it is you're going to do or you want to do, you would use stories of a similar type of a patient without obviously giving their name to explain or show social proof that this is what can happen. So if Joe comes in and Joe wants to get back running 5K, you can tell Joe all about Michael that you saw last month and how he was in a very similar situation and you did XY treatment and now Michael is back running um, a couch to 5K and in two weeks time should be able to complete that 5K. This is social proof in action and is highly effective. So I hope you can see that these psychological principles are very powerful and they can have a massive effect on your patient compliance and the acceptance of your patient of your treatment plan to begin with and follow through all the way to the end. I used to find it the most frustrating thing on the world when a patient would drop off treatment plan even though they were making progress. Now, you have two options when it comes to using these tools. You can decide to use it to manipulate your patient or you can decide to, to use it to get them to influence your patient. Really, the only difference is your intent. If your intent is positive and sincere, then using these principles will influence your patient to take the right decision, which in my opinion is what we're there for. Obviously, I'm not encouraging anyone to use these to manipulate patients. But if you decide not to, to use every tool that you can to get your patient better, including psychological principles, then you're failing that patient. It purely comes down to your intent. So, there you have it. Six principles to get your patient to say yes. 
If you want more information like this, then go to my website, morepracticeprofits.com, and why not get my book for free, Podiatry Business Success Secrets. I've paid for the book, paid for the printing. You just have to pay for shipping. $4.99, be shipped anywhere in the world. If you have any questions, don't be afraid to give me a call. And until next week, keep well.